This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all around the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Today's awesome and inspiring guest is Andrew Safer. Oh, I'm so excited. I met him years ago at a positive psychology conference in Toronto, Canada. I've been trying to track him down. We finally got together. But before we start, let me tell you a little bit about Andrew. Oh, this is exciting. Andrew is a mindfulness awareness meditation instructor and trainer. Oh, right up my alley. Mm -hmm. He's a workshop presenter and a writer based in St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada, which I've never been to. A 50-year mindfulness practitioner, ooh, that's lots of experience, and 25-year instructor, Andrew develops, oh, this is so cool, and implements programs for the healthcare, education, business, and criminal justice sectors. Ooh, his book, Anxiety, Stress, and Mindfulness, ooh, this is going to be great, A Do-It-Yourself Guide to Wellness, was published recently by Second Tier Publishing in the spring of 2018. You've been busy, Andrew. How are you? Good. Thank you very much, Sandy. I am so, so excited. Like, this is such a great thing. You know what I mean? Like, and so needed right now. Matter Mm -hmm. of fact, I have like, just so you know, before we go on air, Mm -hmm. uh, the week before I asked people who don't know you for two to three questions, you know, once they look at your stuff that I'm going to throw at you, you Mm -hmm. know? So I got, I got way more than two or three, but (laughs) we'll get to them later. You know? Okay. Great. Uh, have you been like so busy? Is this like seem like the hottest topic recently or is it just in the United States? No, it is an extremely hot topic. Um, I guess I'm busy with different aspects of it. I live in a, this is a, quite a small population center and um, I've been focused a lot on, you know, working with people with mental health issues, addictions and stuff like that. And uh, it's quite a challenge to to make the right fit with you know if it's an yeah. organization for them to figure out how to bring someone in and for there to be funding to support there's all kinds of obstacles but um so i've been i continue to be busy with well obviously with the book it was a two year yeah. project but now um i'm always developing programs i have a program with uh 18 to 25 year olds this friday Woo! afternoon uh, it's the third session of a five-session series, and it's going fabulously. Uh, so, uh, yeah, between when we're done here and tomorrow, I'll, I'll kind of put put that together. I have an idea of what I want to, you know, yeah. present. Yeah. So, so you said it's 18 to 25-year-olds. To back up, I didn't know if it, is it a male and female or just male? Yes, it's both. This particular group. Uh, they're youth with challenges to uh, gaining employment. Oh. And um, so this actually is a very good fit. And, yeah. Uh, you mentioned anxiety. That's a, a really big one, uh, stress and anxiety, you know. So if they can uh, get, you know, ho- hopefully they can start their own mindfulness practice, but at least get some tools that they can start to use in their own life when they're dealing with stress and anxiety. It's going to help everything else, you know. Absolutely. You know, right now, just so you know, Andrew, um, I have a daughter. She's older. She lives in Florida. She's married. She has a little boy. But and, you know, she seems to be pretty settled in her life. Mm -hmm. My son is 15 and a Mm -hmm. freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And I can see amongst not just him, also his friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this is it just different, or is it that they mm-hmm. seem that there's more anxiety and stress yeah. in the younger kids? And mm-hmm. recently, they've asked me just to come into the school system, not not just middle school and high school, but even mm-hmm. elementary yeah. school. Yeah, just to work. In, and I was challenged because, you know, talk, I'm good. I'm not, I'm good with, you know, teenagers. I really, right. yeah, you're not, but I, my first group was first graders. <laughs> right. And, and how do you take all that information and bring it? But I love what they're doing. They want to start young. 
to oh, build sure. certain positive habits. And it was built, you know, from them um, doing the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. But it it branched into how do you deal with anxiety? And I was really shocked, Andrew. And I, so a lot of it, you know, we had them draw, like, what's a good day look like? What's a bad day? You know, little things yeah. that I found works yeah. for first graders. And, yeah. you know, what's the thing area you struggle with most? I thought they were going to say, you know, English, math, my letters. The number one thing for first graders, and maybe I just don't remember, mm-hmm. is falling asleep at night. Oh, yeah. See, there you go. Yep. And I didn't know if it's because of gadgets, you know, that's more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And they're yep. bringing, like, maybe first graders have phones yep. or, you know, the LED light or whatever. But that, I mean, is that, has that always been? I mean, I'm thinking, why do first graders have trouble falling asleep at night? Well, I mean, you mentioned with the gadgets, uh, the, the FOMO, the fear of missing out, is huge. And a lot of them have the phone on. And so someone's going to, you know, they're going to get a, a beep at any hour. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to get it. And of course, they got to deal with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done to parents because they, you know, they sneak the phones up into bed, you, you know, like no right. phone. Yeah. Right. And it's it's hidden somewhere, but, you know, it's the best thing to do. It just yeah. was a little bit. For me, how do you take this information? And I think, you know, it's wonderful because I do think it's needed at the younger, mm-hmm. like start them young so they create positive habits. It's wonderful. Yeah. But my main thing right now, and I'm so I'm so glad you're hearing about the 1825, mm-hmm. is not just my son who's 15, but recently I've been doing a podcast called Campus Style with college kids. Okay. And listening, yeah, and listening to their stories. Yeah. And their big thing, Andrew, that's why I think this is so needed. And your book is they feel as if the colleges are so overwhelmed, they can't even get a counseling appointment. And if they do, mm-hmm. unless it's really severe, they're just like, well, don't think about that anymore. Like, I can't mm-hmm. sleep, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, my mom or dad would have told me that, you know? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we need some real tools here. So is yeah. Is that what, you know, what provoked you to want to write your book now? Like, why? Well, actually, the truth of why I wrote the book is I was sitting at my computer one day and my wife just came up and out of the blue said, why don't you write a book? That's it? (laughs) That was it, yeah. I I had not been thinking about it at all. Yeah. And I have written a couple books before, but not this type. And so when she said that, uh, and I thought for probably a minute at the most, it was clear that it had to be on this topic. Um, for one thing, I have the most experience working with the population, people with anxiety and stress. Cool. And, you know, have been doing that for five or six years with, with that particular group. So that, that was the main reason. And uh, I was grateful that she came up with the idea. And I was a little daunted because I, you know, a book is a huge project. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know. <laughs> How long did it take you? It was two years. Yeah. yeah two years. Yeah. And this little ending, I'm very excited about. It says a do-it-yourself guide. Yeah. Is that true? Do you think there's – I mean, I, I do believe everyone could use some sort of guide in their life, counselor, you know, yeah. coach, whatever. There's yeah. not – like I sometimes forget that – you know, humans are good to talk to. <laughs> you, know? you know, we can't do everything ourselves with books. So I, I really think that's a great thing. But exactly. there- yeah, so yeah. what I could say about that uh, is um, it, it is written as a, a book that someone can read. Mm-hmm. They can, uh, you know, read it slowly and the sections that involve learning the mindfulness practice you know, to sort of stop reading there and actually start experimenting with the, the practices and, and whatever, and to mm-hmm. go through it. And uh, there's a lot of context there. Uh, I don't want to say it would be the same experience as someone attending a live uh, workshop series with a mindfulness right. instructor. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be. But it it's it's quite a – it could be quite a good introduction. I'll give yeah. you one, one yeah. story. There's a, a friend of mine – her son, and I, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's living in Seoul, South Korea. And oh. uh, so there there have been anxiety issues, whatever. And uh, For everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah every, everybody has that. And uh, yeah. But he, he's found it, you know, extremely helpful. And, you know, he's got a practice. He's, he's doing the practice, you know, 
pretty consistently as far as I heard. So, um, you know, that can definitely happen on the other end of the spectrum. Someone might pick it up and just say, it's not for me, you know, yeah. or someone else might just want to like read it and not engage, you know, in the practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, the reason I was so excited to talk to you is because I'm a firm believer in everything I do. I'm more in the prevention end, right? I like to have little mm-hmm. things that you do every day. That's why I finally wrote a book. It's like little things you can do for one to three minutes a day, mm-hmm. you know, prevention. Yep. It doesn't prevent everything, but yep. I think the best time to do anything is when you're not anxious, right? So right. even my mindful things that I do to get in the present moment, when mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed, sometimes they kick in. Sometimes they don't, Andrew. You know right. I mean? yep. But I get there quicker because I yeah. practice it when I'm feeling great. And yeah, I think exactly. that's, the, yeah, the most important thing is to have like these tools that yeah. you said when you are feeling good so that when those, cause no matter who you are, some people might be more anxious and stressed than others, but everybody feels that way at different times in life. There isn't anybody that couldn't benefit from your practice. Mm. You know, everybody, everybody, it's just mm. a matter of how long. So I, my thing is, I don't know Unless you've felt that anxiety or stress, I think it's tough to convince people to do these things before they feel it. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of times I hear from people, you know, I haven't heard from them for years, and they've, they've done my programs in the past. Yeah. I haven't heard from them, and all of a sudden I hear from them, it's because they're experiencing anxiety and stress. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, you know, I I think it's just the same thing as my profession, health and fitness. A lot of people, unless they got like something happened to their health, they'll work out, they won't work out, they'll work out, they'll work out. But, you know, but most of the people that really stay with it, something Mm -hmm. happened, you know, Mm -hmm. that gave them a scare to themselves or others, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give up, Andrew, because I, I do believe that just a few minutes every day can make a huge difference in everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And to get back to what you said, as far as a live workshop or using, you know, going to a counselor, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel, but I don't, I don't know if the stigma is there anymore. I think people feel, well, it's actually a stronger person who realizes there's things they want to work on. I mean, I, I don't know. You think that's, People don't feel embarrassed anymore. Oh, you're talking about if someone has anxiety issues uh, and they, that might prevent them from going to a, a well, workshop? Counselor, do you think people are more likely, like right now, to see a counselor or a coach or a workshop to help themselves? Like, I don't think there's that negative stigma about seeing a therapist or a counselor. I think there's probably less of that, but... Okay. I will say, for example, PTSD. Um, okay. Yep, yep. I offered a series, uh, about a four or five session series in the summer, and uh, there's a psychologist who really specializes in in pe- you know helping people with PTSD. Yeah. Who who is going to do the introductory you know remarks and and he was helping me plan it and everything, and uh, <laughs> nobody nobody signed up. So, really? Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, we had like from the different, it was for first responders. We had the different first responders represented Uh, and, uh, it went on their Facebook. It went everywhere. And, um, actually there was one person, (laughs) former firefighter, but what I'm trying to say here is, uh, PTSD, if you're, let's say you're approaching people in, in the workplace and you're offering, something like this, they're not going to say anything because Uh, first of all, they're going to look weak. And then uh, to their boss, you know, they're going to look, you know. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. They got to keep, keep it inside. So it's very difficult to figure out how to access a population like that. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point because I know a lot of, because a lot of my friends, um, kids, they'll talk to me and not their parents, of course, you know what I mean? Right. They'll, you know, and they'll yeah. say, what do you think, Miss Sandy, whatever. And they'll go to a counselor outside of school 100% more than they'll use the free counselors in school. And their parents are like, right. why don't they just go to school? Because yeah. they don't want 
the school yeah. looking at them differently and yeah. they don't want the kids judging them, but yeah. they'll go to counselors other places mm. and their parents are like looking at me like, why couldn't you get them to go to all? Mm. And there's wonderful counselors, Andrew, in our school system. Yeah. We have a great school system. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a sim- similar problem. It's yeah. quite a challenge. Yeah. You want to yeah. help them, but uh, <laughs> the environment has to be right. And you know what, though? Some One kid said to me, he's like, Sandy, I did go to the counselor. And he was just having a minor issue. Do you know what I mean? Like, not whatever. And yeah. they, yeah. he saw that they put in his notes when he was younger in middle school. And then when he had an issue, this and he's right, the first thing they did mm. is they brought up that thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, it, it haunts you because in school, everything mm. is documented. And because yeah. of all the you know legality of things, mm. sometimes they make a big hairier deal than you need to. Right. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And I was like, I don't know how to solve that problem because they're right. You know, everything yeah. is documented and sometimes it's blown out of proportion mm-hmm. or remembered where if you went to an outside counselor, it's not that way. Yep. Okay, so we're talking about young people, and uh, you mentioned earlier the college uh, kids. Yeah. So I want to bring up, um, I've recently completed a two-year project at Memorial University. Uh, It's a workplace mindfulness program, so it's a program that's oriented towards the workplace. Yeah. Mindfulness training. And um, so there were students from seven different disciplines, and there are, I think, 37 altogether. There are three different groups, but it's a 10-week program, which that's a big commitment. You know, they got a lot of other things to do when they're in. Yeah, huge. You know, but there were enough to to make it a go. And as of actually today, the article just came out in the memorial. Uh, it's called the Gazette um, online about okay. that, that program. But what I want to say is a couple of things uh, because you're interested in, in the younger population. I am. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'll give you one idea. There was one guy who showed up. He was a brand new university student, uh, freshman, right? Um, and in the very first session, he pulled me aside and, and told me you know, that he's experiencing major anxiety, major, and yeah. he never had anything like that in his life. But all of a sudden, oh. some, day, some days he can't go to class, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I was really glad he was there. And then um, it was around towards the, the end of the series. It was probably around session number seven. Um, he came up to me, and I, you know. It was his initiative. He came up and he wanted to tell me that the anxiety is pretty much not an issue anymore. And and he was attributing a lot of it, not all of it, but yeah. you know, a lot of it to the, the meditation practice, the sitting meditation practice that he'd been doing pretty regularly. Yeah. And it that it had helped settle him and uh, you know, keeps him more grounded. So anyway, that's one st- one anecdote. Um, it's not like they're all suffering from major anxiety, but yeah, uh, we have a very good evaluation form with 15 or so questions, and they answer those in the beginning and the end. And for the three groups, um, we had, uh, there's a question about worry, like, uh, you know, uh, racing thoughts and worry. And oh. Do you feel like you can sort of have more of a handle on that, you know, now or whatever? And it was something like a 35% change in the scores between the first one and the last one. Yeah, that's pretty good. For that question, yeah. So a lot of them are, you know, are dealing with some form of worry or just having things getting, you know, way too carried away and out of control in their heads. Yeah. Yeah. And, And they're finding that this is helpful. Well, Andrew, everyone has that. I mean, I uh, even, you know, like we're saying young people, adults, you know, it's the same thing. It's just, I find it fascinating if you can, the younger you get them, because then as they're adults, they have this positive habits already built up. But what is one thing that you could recommend when you're saying meditation? I hear this all the time. I don't have time to meditate. And these are my friends who come to me and say they can't sleep. Their, their mind is out of control. And I say, you ha- you have to have time to meditate. <laughs> by meditating, okay. you're losing time. 
because you, you're not able to focus. Do you see like it? I said, that doesn't even make logical sense. So let's even talk to my, my non-spiritual friends. I'm like, let's just break it down, right? You're saying you can't focus on work. You can't do this. You can't yeah. sleep. Yeah. So how long do you think okay. is the minimum amount of time you need to meditate? And is there a certain type of, because there's a million ways to meditate. It's like saying, I'm going to do yoga. Yeah. Yeah. There's all different kinds of uh, techniques and everything. Yeah. But before we get to that, um, people generally have an idea in their head that goes with meditation. It's the idea of someone sitting there quietly doing this mysterious thing um, for, you know, for however long, like it, it might be for a long amount of time. Yeah. And and it's just like there's too many aspects of that that are unknown to them. So yeah. I don't really want to go there, you know, but what, what I do in, in my book, I go through this in detail as well, is the important thing in the beginning, every one of my groups uh, that are starting, I tell them the same thing, which is um, the next morning when they wake up, okay, uh, they have a certain routine and there's a certain sequence like you take a shower, you let the dog out, you make, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And humans do things in a certain pattern. Okay, so you decide one of those things uh, as soon as you're done with with that. Let, let's say when you're getting dressed, okay, you put you, you button your shirt and everything. You're done. Normally, you would go on to the next thing, but in this yeah. case, you're training yourself to walk over to where you've got a chair that you can do some sitting meditation. You walk over there and you sit down on the chair. Okay, so you're you're creating some, uh, um, a space. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not waiting for there to be time because there will never be time. Right. Okay, right. So you're, Whoa, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So let's say after you get dressed, you walk over and you sit down. And once you're sitting there, then you just uh, review the, the instructions, the practice instructions that you've received on how to do the meditation. And you're not timing it. Okay. That's the key. You are not timing it. You are just sitting there. And you're relating to these instructions as best you can. And when you're done, you get up. And then you resume your pattern and you do the next thing in your routine. Okay. 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 I have a question. Yeah. Oh, let me just finish. And okay. then the, the next day, uh, it's the same thing. You, you know, you're done getting dressed. You walk over to the chair, you sit down, and you do some sitting practice. Okay. Again, you're not timing it. Okay. So oh, you do that. You do that for a week, and right. after a week, you will have some idea of how long you've been doing it, you know? Right. And so then I recommend that they start to time, but use an external timer, like Insight Timer is an app that's very good. A lot of people are using that. Uh, so you can just set the amount of time, if it's five or ten minutes or whatever, and then you're just going to sit there until the alarm, you know, until the, the bell goes off. Yeah. Okay, so, and then over time, you can gradually add, uh, bump it up by a minute or two. Uh, you know, if it's five minutes, you're doing that for a couple of weeks. Okay, make it six, and then do that for a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, and if you stick with that, you will uh, you will end up, saying, you know, for for a significant amount of time. Yeah. But, but you're taking the stress. Uh, of of the whole time factor, you're taking that out of the picture. So it's everything I believe in. I, I okay. like, it. yeah. I mean, like, it's not like I'm so glad you said it because hmm. I think it is a mystery. People think there's nothing wrong. I know people that have great long meditational practices, you yeah. know, and they do it with their yoga, and they there's a lot of chanting, and it's phenomenal. But you got to. You don't have to do it that way for it to work, and, yeah, and especially not at the beginning. Yeah, not at all. And yeah. but the only question I do have is mm-hmm. when you're saying you're not timing it. What if these people have to get their kids to school or work? Like if you're saying you do it in the morning, you're doing it part of your routine, and you're not timing how long you're sitting there. Aren't they going to want to time it so they're not late? <laughs> okay, so yeah, if you have to be somewhere like if your schedule is that tight, that, yeah, you know, it could be a matter of a couple minutes is all you're going to have. Oh, okay. 
I guess you could, you know, you could just have a watch and casually look over there. And, you know, then when it's two minutes has gone by, you know, you go, okay, I got to get up now and go do the next thing. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But what you're trying to say is you don't want to get caught up like, oh, God, I didn't do that long enough. You just want to go and sit. Right. Because when we say I didn't do that long enough, we're making a judgment. Yeah, I see. Negative judgment about ourselves. We do that so much already. Yeah. And the, the practice is actually oriented to turning that around so that we start to become aware of those negative stories and things that we tell ourselves about ourselves and that we can interrupt that pattern. That's an important part, actually. Yeah, that that's that's awesome. No, but I, I do like that. Like, I, I think that's you're right, because some people get so caught up in, well, my mind wandered and it says here 20 minutes and I didn't do 20 minutes. So they feel like failure. And then that's completely right. opposite of what meditation is supposed to do. Exactly. So, Andrew, I have a question because I—I mm-hmm. mean, I—I I definitely understand, you know, the point of this, and I—I I get how yeah. you know you're trying to get people to, you know, start a practice and not, you know, be like, okay, I didn't do 40 minutes today. I mean, just it's like working out. I tell people if they go from nothing to sitting on the sofa, the biggest reason people drop off is because they go to extreme. You know, it's like you yeah. like. You tried to, you didn't meditate and now you want to meditate for 40 minutes. You, you haven't right. moved. I, I always say just dance around your house. So it's so weird to me how mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing. And I love that with the mindset. Okay. Like, yeah, don't, don't think about it. Just move every day for a few minutes. But yes, how, why did you get into like years ago? Like what, mm-hmm. like, what did you start out with? And, you know, in school, what did you go to school for? Mm-hmm. Was this your area? No. Okay. Um, well, I was in University of California, Santa Cruz. Oh, um, yeah, I was living in California, boy. And oh, so um, you're not from Canada? No, I've lived in Canada for about thirty years. Okay, so I'm actually from the states. Uh, actually, it started out in New York City, and but oh. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so yeah, I was going to UC Santa Cruz, and there was a professor. Uh, of religious studies, um, Robert Frazier. And he had such great initiative. He brought in some wonderful people. There was a Zen master that he brought in. and Really? She came, yeah, she came back and led a, a, a Zen meditation session with the students that wanted to do it and stuff like that. And I ended up going to her monastery for two weeks and things sort of developed. But um it was, I guess, you know, obviously the early days, this was this the late 60s, early 70s. So um, it really started for me with uh, when I was 15. So it was before the university part. Okay. And my family and I went to a Zen monastery in California called Tassajara Zen Mountain Center. Um, and Suzuki Roshi is... Uh, the Zen master who came over from Japan and he built it and established, this was the first um, you know, Zen practice monastery in the West. Oh, and, from Japan it was, you came from. Okay. Yeah, it was fairly, it was a few hour drive, you know, so we went up there and, and the next day uh, he was there and I got to meet him and shook his hand and he was this tiny guy, like four feet ten or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I looked, uh, shook his hand, and I'm looking at his face, and it looked like his eyes were black. They probably weren't black, but they looked that way. And and as I'm looking at him, uh, I just had this feeling of something infinite, like I had never experienced that before. That yeah. Looking into those eyes, and there was just something that was infinite, and it was amazing. Um, so I received the meditation instructions there that time, and then okay. But meeting someone like that is hugely inspirational. And so that was a big factor in why I actually continued, you know, doing the practice. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. But like when you said when you were in school, what was your major though? Okay. Well, uh, technically it was creative writing, but... Oh! (laughs) But uh, I... um, I I did more with the 
probably the religious studies uh, department. And then and there was a professor in in English who was into the I Ching, the Chinese Book of Changes, it's an oracle book. And so I got into that. And between that and, and the, the meditation, I wasn't interested in economics or math or anything. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually left after two years. And I had already been to the monastery for uh, two weeks. I was living in the, in the monastery for two weeks. That made a big impression on me, and I just figured, no, I, I've got to get out of here. You know, this university, i got to get it something real. So yeah. I left, and uh, that was it. So that's that's why it's been 50 years. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is very exciting. So okay. originally, it sounds like you had an influence, like you said, from your family, because they had gone to this monastery. Like you said, your family. So they were yeah, all- well, well, my mom is the one who had the, the foresight. She was interested in all different religions. And so one Sunday we would go to the Presbyterians and another Sunday to the Episcopalians, you know. And but then she got I love that. Yeah. Then she got tired of 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 just all go going to all Christian things. So she heard about uh, there's a Buddhist. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. Oh I love that. I would love to do that. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so she took you everywhere. And so she opened your mind to all that way before school, for sure. And then you meet this guy, I shouldn't say guy guru, right? And it was just so magical. It changed her life, which I love. Okay. And so I like the fact that you went to school, though, for creative writing. That's still, you know, very mindful. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you left. But then how did you get into this? So now you're at the monastery. You know, you're not going to go to college anymore. Right. How did you get into teaching others. Okay. So, uh, so it was about five years that I was, um, practicing according to the Zen tradition. Okay. And, and, uh, and then in San Francisco in 1973, um, I learned about a, a visiting teacher who was coming and it was strongly recommended that I go to his seminar. Uh, even though he wasn't Zen, um, Anyway, so I, I went, and it was Tibetan Buddhism. Ooh. And yeah, his, his name is Chugyam Trungpa. It's a, it's a tongue twister. Uh, you, you're Trungpa. saying all these names. And by the way, I know my son's going to be fascinated. I'm trying to write them down. Like, I'm going to just have to look them up because there's no way. You know, I, I'm even mm-hmm. closely spelling these things. Right. Okay. So, uh so I, I met him and went to his seminar. Actually, my mom and I went to that seminar. It was a 10-day seminar, and um, it was amazing, and he was amazing. And so I wanted to study with him, and his center was in Colorado, so I moved to Colorado. Okay. Ooh, ooh. Okay, this is getting fun. His center's in Boulder, Colorado, and I moved to the, the mountains outside Boulder, and I had some responsibilities there for for that place and 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 so on and and I was able to study and practice with him for a number of years so um then I mean my a very good friend uh, became my meditation instructor uh quite a few years ago and it's good to have a meditation instructor by the way yeah so um he he's been extremely helpful in sort of, you know, helping me with my path as it's continuing and whatever. So, yeah, I started offering the workshops here in 2010. So that was close to nine years ago. Oh, okay. Now I understand a little bit more. (laughs) No, it's and it's wonderful. And I love that, you know, that you shared that part of the journey because that's the, when you're talking about anxiety and stress, one of the biggest stresses when I sit, I don't know if you've recognized with the college kids is mm-hmm. when I'm sitting there with, you know, freshman and sophomore is they don't know what they want to do with their life. And I keep thinking, well, that's okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've people change it up mm-hmm. a million times, yeah. but there's so much pressure. Like even now yeah. like who's in a freshman in high school, he goes, mom, I re- everyone seems really sure about what they want to do. <laughs> I don't know. They're not. They're just picking something. I mean, you're a freshman Mm -hmm. in high school. You know, people change their minds when they're 30 and 40 and 50. I mean, yeah, you got to pick something you're sort of interested, but I don't want Mm -hmm. these kids being anxious because 
I went mm. to school for creative writing and now I decided, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Well, yeah, for one thing, it's so much more competitive than it was when we were young. Now, I, yeah. I'm a lot, a lot older than you, but still, it, it's today for these youth, uh, the competition, I think, is it's fierce, you know. Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And they feel as if if they don't stay with what they decided, they they won't be good at it. You know what I mean? Like, because, mm-hmm. all right, you got to start now mm-hmm. and build on it. And if they change up, they'd be starting from scratch. And there's kids all over the world right. that are more, way more advanced than them. Right. Which is, I was trying to figure out, I was like, why? I mean, throughout, you think about throughout history, there's been tons of things to stress out about, like in college, in high school. And I'm thinking, why are these kids more stressed? And maybe that's one of the main reasons. I mean, Yes, there's social media and you're connected so you can see everything. But maybe another main reason is they, they're aware of the competition and so much pressure to decide what they want to do. Well, like you just said, there's so many people around the world who are going to be good at something. I mean, when I was a kid, that thought never would have occurred to me. I, I never would have that in my consciousness to be, you know, considering uh, that there are people in, in different parts of the world who are going to be competing with me, you know, but it's a global culture now. So, Yeah, you're right. And some cultures are way more disciplined. Like I know my son says, you know, mom, they're so busy that they have to study and then they have to go to this practice and that practice and this, and it's part of their culture. And you feel like you're competing with that also. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To make sure that you're on a path and that's a lot of pressure. So I think part of this conversation, which does relate to our topic uh, of mindfulness, well, everything we're saying relates to it. Um, But in terms of anxiety, uh, there's, I think, uh, with today's lifestyle, we're living off balance. We're going around and and we're off balance most of the time. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Good point. So meaning, uh, you know, it, if it means that we have a lot of commitments or, you know, we're trying to, even for for our kids, we want them to do, you know, dance one night and yoga another night and this, the other, so yeah. that they're always busy, you know. Um, there's a lot of things to juggle. Yeah. And uh, so it's being overcommitted and being too busy. And and the, the busyness, I think, has definitely been accelerated um, by internet-related things. Um, so for, well, not just for the, the young people like in university and college, but definitely including them. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, people who are having issues with anxiety, the best thing that they could do to start out with would be to start to get grounded. Okay. You need to be grounded and feel a connection with the earth. It's a, it's a visceral connection with the earth. Nobody can take that from them, you know? Uh, yeah. And when, so we can bring our attention to our feet, wherever they are, assuming our feet are on the floor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Your attention there. And we're not turning it into a project where we have to figure things out, describe them, analyze. It's not that. It's just, okay, yeah, now I know that my feet are there because I, I, I was there. My attention and my consciousness was there with them, right? Instead of being all these other places constantly. Gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. So we need to do that a fair bit. And the cumulative effect of, of grounding ourselves, um, I think, could be huge in, in relation to anxiety is anxiety it's like you know there's all this stuff going on you don't know which one is going to be happening or which one's going to be a problem or you know if you're going to miss out on something but you know so you're sort of always on tenter hooks got yeah because of all these things that you're you care about that you're plugged into yeah and that's you know so you're going to end up 
being off balance. That's what I call it, being off balance. No, I love that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's it's so funny because right before bed, you know, I do meditate at night, but I also watch Mm -hmm. some some silly sitcom. And this, this one was talking about just what you said is now when you're trying to, you know, get a job, be in business, uh, even, you know, do parenting things, people are so worried they didn't connect enough on social media. And right. there is no end. It's not like, you know, think about it when, you know, like you're saying, you know, grow up, it's like it was nine to five or, you know what I mean? You, you, some people, you work longer in your business, but you loved it and you're passionate about it, but mm-hmm. you weren't thinking you didn't, you didn't do enough. Nowadays, it's all about how many followers you had and, you know, mm-hmm. when you were on this site and when you were on that site, mm-hmm. which drives me crazy. And <laughs> if you're not, then you're not going to be successful. So you're always worried and yeah. you, you, you could work 24 hours, you know, a day, you mm. know, trying to make sure that you were enough on these sites and connected and mm. go crazy. And then people feel like they're not enough. Like you were saying, you know, they feel like they didn't do enough because they don't have enough followers or they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you can do is, you know, even just to stop it is to come back mm. and say, you know, and ground yourself just by thinking of your feet, which is so simple, you know? Exactly. Um, I mean, this is a huge topic, the internet, like, you know, what that has introduced Mm -hmm. to us. And, you know, we're, we're, we're finding out, we're going to find out for years, uh, some of the consequences. Uh, Of course, there's very positive things too, but yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. um, but you, what you're saying, um, the, the term that I've seen used is, is social comparison, is when you see someone else posts, you know, a brand new car and you've got a, a rust bucket. Right. So now, now you feel inferior, you know. Uh, but there's millions of uh, variations on that. And um, that's that's a reason for, for people to figure out how to stop yeah. going on Facebook. Yeah. Well, when you say to someone, I said to my friend, she was getting really angry. She's anxious. She can't sleep her job. It's very stressful. Yeah. And I tried to, you know, direct yeah. her to little meditations. And she was saying, yeah. you don't understand my life. I don't have time. And I said, well, yeah. how, how many minutes are you on Facebook? Mm-hmm. And she got really mad. So I, I don't think that was the right <laughs> approach. <laughs> because yeah. I'm okay. trying to figure out a way to carve, like to say, okay, let's, Let's think about where we could go and, you know, just give me a week of just carving that out. But I think mm-hmm. your way of saying it is a lot better. You know, okay. I like it. Well, if you have a thousand friends on Facebook and you have the mindset that you really need to go through the entire cycle so that you are checking in with all of them. Yeah. You know, that's might be an impossibility. I don't know, but I'm sure there are people who are thinking that way that they've yeah. got, okay, you know, this is sort of my duty yeah. and like someone may be having a problem out there or whatever. And that could just, you know, burn up all your time. <laughs> absolutely. You know, absolutely. So I have so many things I want to ask you and I'd be, I know we're running out of time, but the one thing, cause I always ask people, you know, give me three questions, you know, that I can ask yep. you and I tell them a little bit about you. But yep. the first thing they wanted to know is what is your practice? What do you do now? My practice. I practice um, for an hour in the morning. And that's, that's my main practice. Okay. Um, and, but I, I only do it six days a week because I, I have had a tendency to be a perfectionist. So I, I built in some imperfection into okay. it. Okay. Uh, so Saturday I don't practice. Um, it's, uh, I mean, as you, I'm sure you can see over this many years, there's a number of practices I've been introduced to and I, that I do. Okay. Uh, so they vary and they're in the tradition of the Tibetan Buddhist approach. Um, but uh, sometimes like this morning, I just did sitting practice, you know, the, sitting is the basis. And sometimes I just do sitting. Sometimes I do other ones. Yep. All right, but it's every morning. Now, do you do yeah. – the second thing was, when do you do it? So it's always morning. It's okay. not night. 
Yep. No, it's always in the morning. I have a routine. Uh, I make a cup of tea. Um, well, actually, I do go on. I'm on Facebook uh, for a bit in the morning, but you know, it does have its limits. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I and I, I I practice for an hour, and uh, that's before I even get dressed. So I do recommend it. Uh, as early in the day as possible. Okay. Because it sets the tone for the day. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So that was it. All right. N- next thing. Is there a mindfulness or meditation practice for the beginner that you would recommend the most? Or is it found in your book? Like, is there one, like, because one of the young ladies said it's so confusing. There's so many out there. Right. <clears throat> The the first one that I introduce in my workshops these days is the walking meditation practice or Ooh. mindful walking. I've never heard of that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so there's a certain way that you hold your hands, but we won't get into that. It's too much detail. Okay. But it, it's mainly, okay, that <clears throat> you're going to do this in a, you know, a place in your house. Um, could be in your room. You're going to be walking in a circle. Uh, just a, a clockwise mm-hmm. direction. Uh, but you're mainly going to be walking slower than usual. It's quite a bit slower than usual. And your attention is going to be on the movement of your legs and your feet touching the floor. Okay. So it's on the the physical act of walking. Oh. That is where, where your attention is. Uh, as well as... Uh, an overall awareness of the environment. You know, you don't want to bump into the uh, chest of drawers or something. <laughs> yeah, okay. but you don't have to be outside is what you're saying. You do it right in your no, home. No, no, just do this inside. And um, when you start taking it outside, I mean, in your yard, it's not that big a deal. But when you start doing it out in like, you know, downtown or something, yeah, there's a lot of other things to be, you know, aware of. Obviously, because the most important thing when you're out in public is to be aware of what's going on around you. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is dif- different from what I'm saying. So, yes. Yeah. 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 And much easier. And you can do it anywhere and you don't have to wait to go outside. So I love that. Yeah. And so the well, the other part of that is that you have your attention on the movement of your legs and your feet touching the floor. Yep. The and when, you're, when your mind wanders and the mind wanders. So when it does and you notice it, you just bring your attention back to the movement of your legs and your feet touching the floor. That ah, you, not your breath. That's different. No, it, yeah, it's, it's, you're being non-judgmental. There's nothing wrong with having a wandering mind, and you're not putting yourself down for, for spacing out. Okay? Yeah. Whenever you're done spacing out, then you, go, you bring yourself back, like redirecting yourself. To the movement of your legs. Gotcha. Feet touching the floor. Yep. Okay. And the other yep. one is you, which is what you mentioned. It's great to have a meditational coach. Do you mm-hmm. coach individuals on meditation, or could you recommend, in addition to your book, where to go? Okay. Um, I I certainly do. Um, people that I've given instruction to over the years and they know that they can always, you know, come in. We can talk about if they've got a question or whatever. Okay. Um, I don't have like a formalized, you know, approach with that. Now, um, uh, I'd say any, you know, any reputable meditation center is, uh, a good chance that they're set up to to do some coaching like that. Yeah. And do you recommend yeah. in person? Because there's so many things online. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, they're, yeah. and they're all everywhere. Yeah. I know they're everywhere in every city. Yeah. No, I would say, uh, well, well, you're in Philadelphia. Michael yeah. Carroll, I, I hold him in high regard. What's I, so name? I don't know. Michael Carroll, it's C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Okay. His first book, Awake at Work, is fantastic. Okay, and I recommend down. people. Yeah, Awake at Work. Okay. He's he's really about the pioneer, at least certainly one of them, uh, who uh, 
have pioneered the application of mindfulness in, in the workplace. I got it. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, I answered all my questions. I am so, so happy that you're bringing this to the forefront. And oh, thank you. Yeah, I really thank am. I, it makes me so happy inside. And what I love is that you're not making a big hairy deal of it, you know? Yes, you know, you you have an hour meditation practice that you build up throughout the years, but you're not saying everyone has to do that to see benefit. No, 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 no. Yeah. But when, when someone is, is becoming a meditation instructor, they should yeah. have an hour practice. Yeah, yeah that that's most, different. Yeah. Most people, that doesn't, doesn't apply. Yep. Yeah, they don't. Is there anything, Andrew, before, you know, everyone's going to have your information and how to reach you. And, of mm -hmm. course, we want to highly recommend your book because I think everyone can benefit from it. But is there anything that we didn't get in today that you wanted to go over? Um. I think I'm going to mention Zoom, Zoom video conferencing. Uh, oh, okay. Is I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of, of what's possible to do with Zoom, but I'll give you an idea. So I have a 10-week workshop series, um, Anxiety, Stress, and Mindfulness, which is now based on, on the book. But before that, uh, it was a Navigating Anxiety and Stress Through Mindfulness uh, workshop series. And I started doing that um, online. Okay. It was, it was always in person, which is great. Cool. But I wanted to start doing it uh, with video conferencing. So I've done a, a couple, two or three series um, with video conferencing. Um, one of them, we had someone <clears throat> living in Colorado, someone in Texas, someone in Florida, um, and then the rest were here in Newfoundland. So it's a very interesting you know, mix. Um, and, and the thing about video conferencing is you can, nobody is being excluded, you know, because of where they live. So yeah. That's, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I just don't know how to market to the world. So <laughs> I haven't figured that out. We'll get there. We'll get there, Andrew, because I think it is a wonderful thing that you could do because you can do it anywhere. Yep. And I love the fact that you're going to get people from all over. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter exactly. what country. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Great. Great. Yeah. I'd give that some thought. All right. Well, Andrew, uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm so glad we reconnected. I yeah. do have some personal questions for you, but I'll reach out to you at another time. And I'm excited for people to get your information and share it with the world. Thank you so much, Sandy. It's been a wonderful opportunity. And um, I'm honored uh, to be able to be on your, your show. Excellent. You're so approachable, you know, and you're oh, so relaxing. You. And you can say, like, when you're saying not judgment and you don't, like, you can feel yeah. it with you. You know, you can okay. feel that safe, you know, zone, the ease and flow, which I think is really, really important. It's a safe zone, and uh, is that because of my last name is Safer? <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. I swear to you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. All right. Well, yeah, I planned that all along, Andrew. I planned right. it all okay. along. <laughs> I, all right. All right. Well, listen, you have a good day, and I'll Thank let you, you know when this is going up, and we're all excited. Excellent. Thanks right. so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.